You're listening to the One Word Podcast, an outreach ministry of Christ Nations Church. Praise the Lord. Well, if you have your Bible, your iPads, your phone, whatever you happen to use, I want you to turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter number 8. Deuteronomy chapter number 8. This indeed may be one of the most important messages that any preacher could preach or any believer could hear. Now, of course, that could be said about anything you open up to chapter and verse and talk about. But this one is very important as it pertains to your life. And so for every person that has gathered in here tonight and for those who are going to be joining us by way of a live stream, I want you to really make a decision. Decide that you're going to hear. Amen? You have to make a decision to hear. You have to decide that you're going to open your ears to hear what thus saith the Lord, because I believe with all my heart, I'm directed of the Spirit tonight, and I believe with all of my heart, he's going to meet us here tonight. Deuteronomy chapter number 8, we're going to speak from a subject at thy word. At thy word word. And that's going to make, of course, that means something to you already, <laughs> but it's going to make even more or a sense and, and more substance, take on more meaning to you as we go through this by the Spirit of God. I'm just a little bit warm. I don't want to freeze anybody else in here, but I'm just a little bit warm. I don't know whether it's, I don't know whether it's just me. Yeah, I don't know whether it is, but I'm just a little bit. I don't want to freeze you, so if you guys get really cold, give a signal of some kind, and they'll turn it off. But I'm a, I'm a little warm to start off. Deuteronomy chapter number 8, verse number 2. This is God bringing the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage, leading them into their promised land. And Deuteronomy, he begins to lay out to them blessing and curse. He begins to lay out to them the law, the Ten Commandments, all of those, the, the, the law, which is considered the first five books, the Pentateuch, if you would. And here in Deuteronomy, sometimes this particular passage is misunderstood when we read it because you could get the idea that God uh, caused Israel to suffer to teach them a lesson and that he will use suffering to teach us lessons. But nothing could be further from the truth. What is misunderstood about this particular text and context is that we have to remember coming out of 400 years of bondage, they didn't know God. We kind of assume they knew Jehovah. They probably heard of him, known of him, but they, they didn't know experientially. They'd known Egypt. They'd known bondage. They had known Egyptian gods, and they, were, they had known their, uh, Egypt was polytheistic, so they had known a different orientation. So when God brings them out of Egyptian bondage, in many ways, the Heavenly Father has to introduce himself to Israel. He has to show them some things about himself. So let's pick this up here. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2, it says, And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord your God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee, to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou would keep his commandment or not, or no, is what it says in the King James. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna. So he didn't leave them hungry. He fed them with manna. They didn't leave them sick because they put a serpent on the pole, Moses did, and whoever looked was healed. So he made provision but he had to teach them. He had to wean them off of Egyptian thinking. Okay, so he says, He fed thee with manna which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man does not live by bread alone or bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. 
So we get to the crux of the matter of what the father was doing. He wanted them to come to this realization that man does not live by bread only. <laughs> he wanted his children to know that you don't live your life by flesh only, by the natural only, that you don't live your life by education only, by skill only, by hustle only, by your work ethic only. You don't live by any natural means only, but man is to live his life by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, that he is to conduct his life by the word of God. Now, it's good to have a skill, the education, the means, the, all of those things, not to discount or throw them away. But he said, man can't live by that alone. He can't do that only. Because the natural world is going to always present to you something that your skill has no answer for. Your education has no answer for. Come on now. Your networking and connections have no answer for. Your natural pedigree has no answer for. The natural world is going to present to you dilemma and an obstacle that your natural means cannot get over or cross. And so he says to you, you're going to have to resort to what comes out of my mouth. And as a matter of fact, you want to make what comes out of my mouth preeminent over anything in the natural you think you possess. So he brought the children of Israel out into a, a wilderness so that they could learn, they could live from his mouth. <laughs> because the moment you learn you can live from his mouth, you no longer depend on anything else, and you can no longer be manipulated by anything else because you learn the source of your life is what comes out of God's mouth. So I learned to live hand to mouth. His mouth shows up in my hand. Right? And he wanted his children to understand this, to wean them from dependency on the world system, so to speak, on Egypt and Egyptian thinking and what they could do for themselves. And you know, they had trouble with it. They had trouble with it. They got into the wilderness and they got out there and Moses went up on the mountain and talked to God. He stayed a little too long. It was hot. They were upset. They were frustrated. And so while Moses is up there, they build for themselves a golden calf. Now, where did they get that kind of thinking? That's Egypt. That's Egypt. It's a carryover of being in Egyptian thinking. So they was like, look, this God is taking too long. Remember, they're having to learn Jehovah. They're having to learn the God of Abraham. They're having to learn the Almighty God. They don't know him like you and I know him even. And so he's taking too long, and so they resort to the flesh or what they know. They go back to bread. Symbolically. Metaphorically, they go back to what they naturally can reason and understand and know. But God wants them to live from his mouth. Everybody say, at thy word. Let's go to uh, Psalms 119. Psalms 119 and 105. Very familiar passage of Scripture, very simple passage of Scripture. It says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet. <laughs> and a light unto my path. Thy word is a lamp and a light. The word is a lamp and a light. Now, 
we know this is the Word of God. We know the Bible, 66 books, the witnesses of major and minor prophet, the apostles, we got it all, the synoptic gospels. This is the Word of God. But in this particular verse, it is not talking about necessarily Scripture. Even though Scripture is foundational to what it's talking about, what it's actually talking about is in the Hebrew, the Hebrew word dabah, which means the spoken word, speech, something said. Hallelujah. So when it says the word is a lamp to my feet, it's a light to my path, it's talking about the spoken word. Rhema, word of God. So when we're talking about man living by what proceedeth out of the mouth of God, we're talking about the spoken rhema of God. What God speaks to you. Now, you have to have a foundation of the Logos. You have to have a foundation of the written word in order to understand or be in a place to hear the spoken word. But it is the spoken word that is a lamp. (laughs) It's the spoken word that is a light. That is to say whether God speaks to you directly or whether he illuminates something within Scripture in your heart, that becomes the lamp to your feet. That becomes the light to your path. What is he saying here? He is saying that God cuts the path for your life with his spoken word. He cuts a path for your life with his spoken word. When God speaks to you, he is showing you your way. (laughs) And this is why relationship with God is so vitally important. Because many times, believers are unaccustomed to the voice of their father. They don't know his voice. They don't know how to hear him. He's foreign to them. If you take, for example, my child is in here, and if you had your children in here of the same age, some of you have small children. If my little girl is in the children's ministry area and she's in that room and she's loud, And she's screaming and she's shouting and doing her thing and she's getting really loud. And you were to come to me and you were to say, whose voice is that? I'm going to tell you that's my child. I know Maya's voice. God, I know it. (laughs) I know her voice. Now, if you were to take your child of same age, put them in the room, Lift their voice, they're yelling and screaming and all. And you ask me, whose voice is that? I'm going to say, it sounds like a child, but I don't know. What's the difference in me knowing my child's voice and not knowing yours? Come on. It's relationship. It's time. It's face-to-face. It's intimacy. That's all it is. If I am able to spend as much time with your child and their voice as I spend with my child and her voice, I will know your child's voice like I know mine. And so one of the reasons why we are not accustomed to the voice of the Father is because we are not spending time. And God made it easy for us. He made it very easy for us. He put his voice on paper. By the Spirit of God infused it with his character, his heart, his disposition, his character, his person. He and his word are one. He is, his person is in this book. 
time spent in the Word of God. It's time spent in the presence of God. It's time spent in the mind of God. Time spent with the character of God. Time spent with his heart. He's not a man that he should lie. So what you read, he means. So there's never any second guessing when I pick this up and I read it. Because he puts his heart on display. Hallelujah. So he puts his heart on display in the book so that I can become acquainted with his heart, with his ways, with his character, everything about him, and I can have intimacy with him so that when I leave the book and I go into life, my job, my marriage, my children, my finances, when I move out into the world and I get this light come on on the inside of me of something I need to do, to go left or right, because of the intimacy and the time spent within the Logos, I can locate the spoken. And I can move according to what he says. And I can trust it. I can lean on it. I can depend on it. I know it. Why? Because I've spent time in the Logos to learn the rhema. Because, see, he's not going to say something to me opposite of what he's written to me. <laughs> and I can learn his voice in the most minute details of life. Whether to move, whether to buy, whether to sell, whether to pick up, whether to stay. I can know my father's voice in the very minute details of life, when to give what to give, where to go, what church to be a part of, what am I supposed to do with myself, my life. See, that is the word, that spoken word, that is the lamp to your feet and the light to your path. So now, let's look in Scripture at evidence of biblical characters responding to the spoken. Oh, this is so good. Turn to Luke chapter 1. Turn to Luke chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse number 26. Uh, for sake of giving you a heads up on the, on the media, for the media team, I'm going to leave Luke uh, 1 and go to Luke 5 after we get through with Luke chapter 1. But Luke 1, verse number 26. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, this is so good. And it reads, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Oh, don't we love Mary? And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great. He shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? How is this going to be when there is nothing in the natural to support it as even a possibility? It's one thing to be Sarah and old, past childbearing. It's another thing to be young and a virgin. Hmm. <laughs> so she says, how is this going to be? Verse 35, and the angel said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come on thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, your cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Boy, he just, he just filling wounds all over. <laughs> Verse 37, here it is. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. 
And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. She said, I don't understand it. <laughs> I can't make sense of how. But I receive it. She says, at your word, behold the handmaid of the Lord. <laughs> so she begins to call herself after the word what the angel calls her. And she receives at the word of the Lord the impossible. Now, let's flip over here to Luke chapter 5. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Luke chapter 5, verse number 1. It says, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were going out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Lunch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon <laughs> answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night, all the night, and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy Word. <laughs> I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net broke. Hallelujah, Jesus. Look at this. Now, let's examine this for a moment because there's a whole lot in this particular story to impact. Notice in both cases with both Mary and Peter. They are receiving a word that is contrary to reason. Mary doesn't know a man. Peter is a fisherman who has fished all night. What is significant about Peter making that statement is because Peter fished with a net. So the fisherman understood, if I fish at night by the method of using a net, the fish won't see the net. Unlike throwing it out in the middle of the day and the sun is shining through the water in the lake, the fish can see the net. But if I do it at night, the net is unseen, so the fish can unwittingly swim into the net. So Peter is telling him, Based upon my experience as a fisherman, based upon my calculations and my skill, my know-how, my experience, we've already caught nothing in the most opportune time to fish, which is at night. So now you're telling me to go out in the middle of the day, right, and throw out this net. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't see how it's going to happen, but nevertheless, at your word. <laughs> in Peter's circumstance, Mary's is pretty self-explanatory. She conceives the word, the Christ child. In Peter's circumstance, it speaks to us in a very powerful way because Peter is on the same lake. He didn't say, let's go to another lake because you didn't catch nothing in this one. Peter is on the same lake, same boat, same net, same fisherman. But this time he catches so many fish that it breaks his net. What's the difference? The word. Oh, you, you, you got to follow me. You got to follow me. See, sometimes the only way you can get results is not by skill or talent. It's not by networking and know-how. You're going to have to hear what thus saith the Lord to you to do. Yeah. 
And when you get a word, the very same lake that you call nothing in, you'll pull up more fish than you can stand. Just because now you're moving at thy word. People have started businesses because they went to school to understand how to start a business and it flopped. Then people who never darkened the door of business school get a rhema to do so, and theirs explodes with success. The difference is man does not live by his skill bread alone. He must open himself up to the direction of God. He lives by every word that proceeds out of his mouth. So it would behoove us to be able to hear. Let's keep moving. Let's go over here to uh, Luke chapter uh, 17. I believe it's Luke 17. Tell you most important word, most important message, most important message you could hear. Most important word you can hear because people everywhere are frustrated right now because they come to the end of their bread. They've come to the end of their natural skill. The world has come to the end of its carnal and natural wisdom. They don't know how to fix things anymore. They don't know what to do anymore. They're scratching their head over everything. Now, you want to know why? Because you can't live by bread alone. We can't. That's not how he wired us. That's not how this works, right? We have to hear the voice of our Father. Let's look at this. Let's look at Luke 17. Man, I love the evidence in the word. Man, this is so powerful. Verse 11, it says, And it came to pass, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them... He said unto them, go show yourself unto the priest. (laughs) And it came to pass, hear me, child of God, that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back. And with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus said, were there not ten cleansed? Look at your Savior. (laughs) But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. Go your way. Your faith has made you whole. Now, notice the process of the miraculous in this particular instance. These are lepers. As lepers, you don't go to the priest. That is not the custom, that is not the order. Of the times of the day. You don't do that. So Jesus shows up. They're crying out for mercy unto him because evidently they know he's a healer. Evidently they know he's the Messiah. They have some degree of faith in him. They had to have some degree of faith because Jesus said, Your faith made you whole. So they had to have believed something they heard, right? Because that's how faith comes, by hearing. So they had heard, and they had some type of faith. And when they expressed unto him, crying unto him, Jesus, (laughs) oh my God, Jesus does not choose the method of laying hands. Jesus does not choose the method of, like in other cases, which I'm going to show you another instance, where he, he uses a different method to heal another one. But this time he says to them, go show yourself to the priest. As if to call them clean. 
What he does is he speaks a rhema. (laughs) And when the men follow the rhema at his word, as they go, they are cleansed. It doesn't happen momentarily in an instant. It happens as they went. What if, oh, the Holy Spirit spoke this to my heart. Now, I'm going to share this with you. What if the manifestation of what God has promised you is connected to a rhema instruction? Healing has been promised you, but are you missing a word, an instruction to go show yourself to the priest, so to speak? Because oftentimes, what sometimes we want, and sometimes we miss it this way, is we want an instantaneous, miraculous event. We love events. (laughs) We love encounters. We love on the spot, bam, presto, it's done. Right? But sometimes the Father gives, go show yourself to the priest. (laughs) And as you act at his word, you are made whole. You are cleansed. You are delivered. You are made free. You are prospered. You are given. you you, You come into victory as you act upon the word. Remember the scripture says his word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. When God speaks to these lepers, he cuts a path to their healing. But they've got to walk it. They've got to step out on it. And oftentimes, God will speak to us and give us an instruction that becomes comes rhema to us. And, and if we obey it, we'll be blessed. But many times, because either we can't hear or we don't want to obey, we stay in the same place. Because we're unwilling to follow and walk out the word. Say, at thy word. So at his word, the lepers are cleansed. They simply act upon what he says. They don't question it. They just turn and go. And Jesus is so amazing because Jesus says, were there not ten cleansed? Now, nine of them never came back to show evidence. How did Jesus know it? He said, well, he was Jesus. Yes, he was Jesus. But Jesus is a faith Jesus. So when he told them, go show yourself to the priest, he considered all ten cleansed. He believed exactly what he said. He practiced what he taught in Mark 11. You see it all throughout Scripture. You see it all throughout these miracles. Many times you'll see it where Jesus practices what he says. So we have to be willing to move at his word. One more place. Let's go here. Let's, let's flip over to John. At Thank you, Holy Spirit. Yes, sir. Thank you, Holy Spirit. John chapter number 9. Verse number one. Mm, mm, mm. Mm. Somebody's getting a word. Somebody's hearing a word right now, right this very moment. This is confirmation. (laughs) This is confirmation to somebody who's already heard. You've already heard and you needed to hear this. To confirm to you that you've heard that. Now that you've heard this, to confirm that you heard that, it's time to move. It's time to move. It's time for you to act on what the word that has been spoken to you. My God, I I, I know that deep in my belly, I know it. John chapter 9, verse number 1. It says, and as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, 
but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. (laughs) I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he had thus spoken, he spit on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. The neighbors, therefore, and they which before had seen him that was blind said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, this is he. Others said, he is like him. In other words, he looked like him, but I don't know if that's him. But then he said, I am he. (laughs) In other words, he said, no, 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 it's me. (laughs) It's me. It's it's really me. (laughs) Verse 10, it says, and therefore said they unto him, how were thine eyes opened? Listen to this man. Listen to this man. I want I marvel at the faith of this man. Listen to it. He answered and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and I received my sight. Then said they unto him, Where is he? He said, I don't know. <laughs> he says, I know not. So unlike blind Bartimaeus, he hadn't heard. (laughs) He said a man called Jesus. In other words, he's blind, but he said, I heard him calling him Jesus. And he spit on the ground and he made clay and he anointed and he put it on. Now, that, 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 that's a whole nother kind of trust there. When somebody come up to you, you don't even know. And they spitting and making clay and rubbing on your eyes. See, you think you would have loved to have walked with Jesus. You think, you just know, I, mean, I would have loved you, Lord. I would have walked with you, Lord. Jesus did things that sometimes he was in the spirit. And those things make no sense to the carnal man. And so here he is rubbing this clay on this man's eyes as a stranger. This man doesn't know who he is. All he knows is that in his ears they called him Jesus. But this man believes enough to go at his word and go wash. And he walks over to the pool of Siloam, however far it is. Where it, I, don't, I don't know the proximity. The scripture doesn't give us that. But he gets over there. Either he's guided by somebody because not only is he blind, now he got dirt on his eyes. So we know he can't see twice. Right? right? So, some, so, somebody, so somebody either is guiding him, helping him, but he gets to the pool. Yeah. Evidently, he's like, take me to the pool. Help me, help me get to the pool of Siloam. It makes sense that that's what happened because he's blind. And he gets over there, wherever it is, and he washes, and his sight comes again because he moved at his word. Child of God, your life must be lived and conducted this way. I am on this platform tonight at his word. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for his word. He said it. I heard it. Confirmed. So I did it. Now I'm like those lepers. I'm as they went. I ain't even seen the end of what the path is that he cut for me when he spoke. But I am persuaded to keep walking the path that his word has cut for me because he has promised me some things. But the, thing he, the things he promised me are on the other side of my obedience to what he said. So I got to be as obedient as a leper. I got to go down the path he has spoken. For some of you, God has spoken to you to relocate, to start things, to stop things, to do. And a lot of times people don't understand. They, 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 
They don't understand the significance of this. And this is why I started with relationship first, because it matters that you spend time in church. It matters that you come. It matters that you get in front of the Word. It matters that you expose yourself to ministry gifts who are anointed to minister to you. It matters because it sensitizes you to the Father's voice, and you're going to need to hear him. You're going to need to hear him. Man, as a business owner, as a father, as a husband, as a wife, you're going to need to hear from God. We send our children out in this world every day. Every day. The most precious thing to us, we're going to have to be able to hear God. And the church of Jesus Christ is coming to a place where the Father is calling his children into deeper intimacy to know his voice because in these last days you're going to have to learn how to hear (laughs) you're going to have to learn how to hear his voice to be where you're supposed to be to do what you're supposed to do and that's why it's, it's time out for being casual in your relationship with God and I'm not trying to accuse you that are sitting here I'm just saying you see too much of it You see people kind of treat this stuff flippantly. You see people turn church into a real entertainment piece where people come in and we get bells and whistles and foo-foo the clown and everybody, and people walk out and they can't hear. They can't hear. They don't know. They can't hear. They can't make right choices and decisions in their life because they're so unaccustomed to the Father's voice. They don't know his voice and Satan comes along and he can dupe them and deceive them because they are full of entertainment. They're full of some sideshow. And Satan has been very clever at drawing the church into this competition with him over the attention spans of men where the church is going to have to get out of that game, get off that hamster wheel, and get back to preaching, teaching, talking the living word of God under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Because people are going to need it. I, 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 don't, I hate to break the news to everybody, but the scripture tells me evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse. (laughs) It gives me that. Now, it's saying that so that we can know it, right? So that the children of God can stay anchored to truth and know his voice in perilous times so that you can navigate around the peril. You don't have to partake of the peril. You don't have to struggle and you don't have to partake of a famine. You don't have to partake of a pandemic. But we don't know his voice. And somebody's got to have some backbone and call God's children back to understanding and hearing his voice. Because man cannot live by vaccine alone. Man cannot live by science alone. Man cannot live by government alone. Man cannot live by stimulus alone. Man cannot live by policy making alone. Man must live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of Jehovah. And this is where we are. And, and, and I hate to say it, but there is a, this message, it, it illuminates to me that there is a dividing line happening. There's a division happening. There's a separation happening of those who can hear him and those who just, they can't or they don't want to. He loves all of us. He wants every one of his children. He wants us all. And everybody knows that. That God's love is is beyond finding out for his creation, for his children. But we are turning a deaf ear. One last verse. We'll close this up. It's in Ephesians. uh, Not Ephesians, I'm sorry. It's in Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3, verse Number 20. Thank you, Holy Ghost. That's just for me. No need to interpret. (laughs) Hallelujah. My heart is just overflowing with this tonight. It says, Behold, 
I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne even as as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He says, I'm standing prophetically at the door and I'm knocking. In the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of sociopolitical upheaval, in the midst of division, in the midst of all of the darkness that we see, the Father. He's knocking. But here's the thing about Jesus. He won't kick the door in. He won't do it. He won't do it. He will knock until you answer. And he's asking the church, let me come in and let's sup together. (laughs) We're talking about covenant We're talking about intimacy. We're talking about you learning my voice so that you can overcome like I overcame. Do you hear what he's saying? That when he sits down with us, when we invite him in and he sups with us and we with him, he will share with us how to overcome like he overcame. And then when it's all over, we can sit with him in his throne like he sits with his father in his throne. He's calling us into that intimacy. And I'm telling you, this is why members, children of God, Christians all over the world, they're hearing this calling. (laughs) They are. They're hearing it. God is calling them. That's why you see people there. They're leaving. they're, They're relocating from entire states. They're moving. They're shifting. They're going. They're changing churches. They're going to different things. People, there are people even walking away from the faith with a good heart because they're frustrated with what they're seeing. And and God's calling his people. He's trying to woo us. He's bringing us into this moment to say, look, come to me so that you can hear me. (laughs) So that you can hear what I'm saying, the preceding word that comes out of my mouth. And I've made up my mind. For me, for my house, that is my personal house, and my responsibility to this house, we're going to hear God. We're going to follow the Holy Ghost. We're going to move at thy word. Yeah, we got some know-how. You got skill. Like I said, you don't, you don't discount it. You don't just toss it out. Yeah, you may have went to school for some things. You may know some things. You may have, even have some experience with some things. Say, well, I've done this. I know how to do this, Pastor Aaron. That's great. That's wonderful. That's good. Don't discount it, but make room for thus saith the Lord. Make room for at his word. Make room for what he might want to say. Don't just sit there your whole life and be like, be comfortable with where you're at and this is what you know and how I'm going to do things and how I'm going to live my life. And you got it all planned out. I'm telling you, this world system is going to throw stuff at you. Oh, it's going to continue to throw things at you that you will have no natural answer for. You're going to have to move at his word, at his word. Lift your hands, everybody. Father, we thank you. Oh, Father, we glorify you tonight. We thank you for the word spoken to confirm in our hearts the direction and the counsel that you've given us by the Holy Spirit I get the impression in my heart tonight and this has come up a couple of times while ministering there is a business owner watching me you you could be here as well I, I don't know everybody's business here but perhaps even watching me There's a business owner that this particular message has been a rhema word to you concerning the direction you're to take your business. 
and you've sat a long time and contemplated it because you've already heard the word. You've already heard. You know what you're supposed to do. But it's been a struggle because it doesn't make sense. It's not in agreement with business reason. It's not in agreement with what you've known. It's not in agreement with experience even, past experience. But the Spirit of God brought this message tonight to confirm to you that indeed what he has impressed upon your heart is the direction. And you've got to be willing to move at his word. Remember, Peter was a fisherman by trade. This was a business for Peter. This is what Peter did. But Peter had caught nothing. And Jesus gave him an instruction. And at the instruction, Peter caught more than he could even handle. The multiplication and the expansion of your business is in thus saith the Lord, not the textbook. And God wants to speak that into your heart tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah and amen. Father, we thank you. We thank you for all that you have accomplished in us tonight. We thank you for your word that is giving us understanding for the simple, giving understanding to those of us who we've been wandering in the wilderness, but you've cut a path for us out of that wilderness with your word. You've given us a rhema tonight. And Father, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice that is in need of clarity. They're in need of direction. Tonight, receive that direction in your life right now in Jesus' name. He is not a man that he should lie. He is not, nor the son of man that he should repent. If you ask of the Lord wisdom, he will give it to you liberally and upbraid you not. And so tonight, as you seek clarity, as you seek wisdom, receive it tonight. And leave this time in his presence. Leave this time from spending time in his word with faith and confidence that you're going to make the right decision. You're going to make the right move. You're going to do exactly what you know you're supposed to do. Some of you have been told by God to stay put and you feel like moving. You feel like shifting, changing, going somewhere, doing something. Well, God is speaking to you to stay put. But you say, God, if I stay put, then I mean, I've caught nothing here. It doesn't matter if you caught nothing here. At his word. At his word. Don't be like Abraham and Sarah. <laughs> Don't get to the point you're kind of tired. You're wondering. You're waiting. You don't understand how it's going to work out. You don't, you don't understand it, so you get impatient and you create a situation where you have an Ishmael. Don't do that. Take their example and learn from it and move at his word. You won't be disappointed. The Bible says those that believe in him will not be made ashamed. God is not going to speak to you in any way and you obey him and an end in shame. He watches over his word to perform it. If he said it, he's going to make it good to you. Thank you for joining the podcast. If you were blessed and encouraged by what you heard, we invite you to share this message and subscribe in your favorite podcast app. Be sure to visit ChristNations.com for all the latest messages and happenings with our ministry and engage with us on all our social media platforms on Facebook at CNCTXK and on YouTube at Christ Nations Church. We look forward to connecting with you. And remember, one word from God can change your life forever.